0: It's big time mental strategy. On first of all, what pitch can I do? I feel confident in executing, and that will succeed in this situation. But also, there's a, an element of what is this guy's weakness, and how does that line up with my strengths for sure? And then you go pitch the pitch. Like, okay, it looked like he was sitting soft there because he got jammed really hard by like say an outside fastball or something like that. So I think he's sitting soft. So if we go up and in now or something like that it'll have a good, better chance of success and all that. So yeah, it's it's a big metal game. It's like what Yogi Bear said, it's 90% metal, the other half is physical.
1: (laughs) Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science... We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you, hear their struggles, and then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. If you love hearing people at the peak of the human condition, behind the scenes, what they're like when they're not on stage, you will love this episode with Brent Suter. I love sports. I love competition. I love athletics. I also love food, meaning fresh vegetables and fruit. This conversation with Brent, I felt like a kid in a candy store. This happens to be one of the shortest times between episodes. As I mentioned at the end of last episode, Brent decided, you sorry you guys didn't get to hear this, but he decided to go to farmer's market. He did that the next day. Then again, this weekend, we're nine days after the original conversation, and he made vegetable stews of his own a couple times, which he loved. He loved the result, the process, the learning, and many parts of it. Prepare yourself for what I consider the future of athletics, eating delicious and healthy for himself as an individual, an athlete, a husband, and a human. He also indulged me in sharing about the mental side of professional sports, what facing a batter feels like, how he trains, how he handles success and failure. I think you're going to love this conversation with Brent. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodek. I'm here with Brent Suter. Brent, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So last time the listeners heard us, they had heard you say that you're going to plant a tree in the spring. It's now a couple of days later. It's what, a week later? Less right. a week later. And I, I actually recorded the post-interview uh, Thing. And I said, after we hung up, we started talking about farmers markets and stuff. And now that we picked up, I was about to say about, I just came back from a farmer's market. You went to a couple of farmers markets.
0: Yeah. We went to one today, uh, downtown and we went to one on Sunday, uh, right up the road here and had great experiences both times. Loved it. Was using the reusable bag, throwing, putting the produce in there and made some awesome stews just like you had talked about. So, uh-huh.
1: so they didn't get to hear our conversation. What happened after we spoke before? I don't remember exactly. Like, how did we get talking about it?
0: You were saying the idea during the podcast was something I can put hands on uh, and do something different than I was doing before. That's environmentally friendly. And I was talking about the trees, talking about the program that we wanted to start in the spring. And then we start, I forget how we started talking about food. And I was like, yeah, I just, I'm sick of throwing away the packaging. I'm I'm wondering how you do that. uh, Very little trash with all the packaging that's on food. And you said, I just go farmer's markets and i was like you know what i've been wanting to do that what do you do and we talked through it and uh said you basically go there with your own bag put the produce in come back wash it put in stews and so i i tried it and i loved it i had <laughs> like eight or nine meals with it this year or oh, this really? week alone yeah uh, the stew, i just uh finished my second batch of stew i'm gonna make another one either today or tomorrow with this produce i got some of the produce i got sunday and then uh, some of the produce i got today so
1: and now it's, you're talking about you, but I remember you talking about your wife a bunch too. You're right. So readers or listeners know, you sent me a text and an image and, and a video of, of the farmer's market, which is indoors, was it not? Like Because here they're all outdoors.
0: Yes. Yeah, so the uh, one on Sunday was indoors. It's the winter farmer's markets in a gym, basically in the school right up the road. In the summer, it's out in the square called Hyde Park Square right up the road. And so I, I don't know when exactly they switched to indoor. I think like November or something, they started doing the winter farmer's market, but Uh, that was, that was indoors. The one today, Finley market downtown is kind of indoors, kind of outdoors. They opened some of the, there's like a uh, door or like some glass doors that they can open or close if it's too cold outside, but they, it was nice outside today. So they had them open.
1: And did you ask her or did you drag her along or was she into it? You said she cooks already.
0: Actually, I, I dragged her a little bit Sunday and then she had the idea today to go down there that, Fired me up big time <laughs> she's like let's go down the finley market and get some more food and because she's really been doing a great job with our son using like the puree uh like getting because we've been having trouble getting him liking vegetables so we've kind of done the blender like a saute puree uh thing with uh spinach leaves or broccoli or like microgreens greens thrown in there uh with the fruits and uh that he likes so he's, we're making these like reusable pouch basically like baby food type whippings that uh, he's really liking and getting a lot of nutrients. in. so we're, we're really finding our group. She's, she's awesome at that. And so she was like, let's go down to the farmer's market today. And so I was like, "heck yeah, let's do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the stuff with the, with the baby food she was doing before, but now you can do it with food that's grown locally and at the, at the well, market.
0: So we were doing the baby food like several months ago and we were kind of overloading it with best or like, overloading it with vegetables that he didn't necessarily like so we would try to like do it with like all carrots for example he didn't really like it and we tried some other things and it didn't really go that great so then i randomly went to cvs and bought a couple like just packets just to see if he'd like them that had some vegetables in it and he downed them really quick and so we're like okay maybe he we just need to put a better ratio of veggies and fruits in there and -hmm. then so lately the last several weeks we've been right back on that program and it's been great he's been happy and happily guzzling down a bunch of greens. So it's been great.
1: (laughs) So I think that, that tells me that she was predisposed to like this, that, uh, so what was it like when, when you guys went the first time, was she surprised or yeah. Walk me through it if you don't mind.
0: She was, uh, she was looking around and she kept on looking at me like, there is a lot of cool stuff here. (laughs) Like she was like, this is really cool some vegetables like I never even heard of rhubarb. but I still don't know how exactly I kind of need your advice on how to cut it or rhubarb it like a,
1: or rhubarb. rutabaga uh,
0: yeah it's like a it looks like a pineapple kind of like purple and white pineapple I don't know it's like in the broccoli family or it. okay i don't i don't know what what vegetable this is but i was trying to cut through it and i couldn't couldn't do it it's like oh
1: that's um kohlrabi kohlrabi it looks like a kohlrabi although the kohlrabis that i get are more spherical and that's more conical like a, partway to a carrot. Yeah. And so what I find is that the, all the parts where the leaves were attached, those little, the white parts, those aren't really chewable. I go for the inside. The inside is like, um, there's been a big shift in my life. <laughs> Originally I would like ice cream and fruit wasn't that sweet, but as I've knocked out ice cream and candy, then fruit has become sweet like candy and vegetables have become sweet like fruit. So I eat those things like apples. I I mean, I'll sometimes chop them up and put them into a salad, but really I can't stop eating them. It's a subtle flavor and they're juicy. And the first time you eat them, the first time I ate them, I was like, why would someone get this? It tastes really bland. It just tastes like paper. But the more that I would eat them, the more I'd pick up these subtle flavors that a friend of mine said, it's like Hunan cooking really loves it. I think it was Hunan. In China, there's like really spicy places like Sichuan. And then there's really subtle places where it's really subtle. And she said they really like that there because it's a really subtle flavor that if you don't pay attention, you won't notice it. But if you pay attention, you get a lot of, it, it pays off. And I, like, I can't keep those in my, in my house. They just, I just eat them like as soon as I get them. So I would cut all the outside out. The ones that I get are, are spherical. And also there's less of the white parts. The white parts I think are where the leaves grow. Yeah. And those, I just can't really choose. So it looks like you might have to chop off all all the skin. I just cut off. There's less for me to cut off. I, it looks to me similar. They have that was a purple one. They also have green ones. Yeah. This is also the discovery when I started going to the farmers market. My sister works there, and she was like, "You should go." And I would just get bread and cheese and think, "Well, it's artisanal and it's local. That's cool." I mean, I'd rather get bread there than bread at the farm at the supermarket. Yeah. But at the beginning, I would know ten percent of the vegetables and. 90% I didn't know what they were. Now I know 90% of the vegetables. And I was just, oh, at the beginning when I knew 10%, the 90% I was just I was scared of. Like, what are those things? Like <laughs> radishes, turnips, what's the difference? And I mean, we ate them growing up, but I I didn't myself think to myself, how will I use this? Right. Now that I know 90%, when there's something new, I'm like, what's that? I, I want to try that. Yeah. And so I'm curious to find a new thing. So you're you're at the early stage of that. Yes. If it, if it, if it goes the same for you as it did for me, I don't know if it will.
0: Yeah. There are definitely veggies that like, like you said, veggies I've been eating my whole life that I didn't know what they looked like when they weren't cut up or something, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, so it was really cool for that. And then, um, yeah, they had a bunch of, we got some bread at the farmer's market too. There was a bunch of other, uh, really cool things we just, we discovered did. And we got this, There's this company right up the road called, uh, micro greens that they grow. They had some packaging with it, but. Apparently they get harvest plants at the younger stages and get, there's a bunch of nutrients in them and it's all Mm -hmm. organic and stuff like that. So I've been putting those in my smoothies this week after workouts and feeling pretty good about it. But, and I I threw some in the stew, but uh, I'd I'd be interested to hear your opinion on that. But it seems like a legit, legit comfort.
1: I haven't done that myself, but I have a feeling that if you're into it, what people tell me is that they start doing it themselves. So you take lentils or you take seeds and you, I think sometimes you soak them and put them in like a wet napkin and just let them grow. And because I like doing this stuff myself.
0: Just without soil, just in a paper towel?
1: Yeah, I think at the beginning, there's enough sugar and nutrients in the seed to grow. You know, they have to, in principle, I think a seed has to have enough to grow to get leaves and the leaves will photosynthesize to make their energy. So at the beginning, they don't have any, I think that's why seeds are so healthy. Well, I I think a lot of seeds are pretty healthy because they have enough to get going. Right. I mean, it's like eating an egg, I think. Vague. I mean, obviously, one's an animal, one's a, um, uh, not mammal. One would be like a bird and the other would be a, a plant. But it's got to have enough to get the thing started. Right. That's my picture. And so chia seeds or lentils, I think even nuts, like probably chickpeas, you could probably sprout them. And I've never gotten into that. But I had a meeting earlier today, a friend of mine and I, he's, he's like an expert with uh, presentations. And I got this presentation that I'm working on. So he comes over here. And while we're here, he loves my stews. He always comes over here. I'm like, fine, you can eat my stew because it's easier for me than for me to go somewhere else. Right. So I make a stew and I made a big batch of sauerkraut. And then I made a batch of, well, the sauerkraut now takes a month to uh, ferment. And then I made some vinegar. And I had no idea how to make this stuff before. Mm -hmm. But now I'm at the stage where I can have a business meeting with a friend, I wouldn't do this with like heads of industry who do come over for my famous no packaging vegetable stew sometimes. Right. And I can talk to, this is, I think about my mom all the time. When I was younger, actually not too long ago, I remember talking with her and saying, I would have a conversation with her. I'm paying attention to the conversation. She's paying attention to the conversation, but at the end of the conversation, there's a meal for like eight people that she just made while we were talking. (laughs) <laughs> and I would say, how do you do that? Like if I cook for myself, I have to put my, I have to focus yes, on it. right. And she says, it just relaxes me. And of course it's mastery of any skill. I presume you feel pretty relaxed on the mountain these days.
0: Uh, some days more than others, but, <laughs> other, but.
1: <laughs> I mean, more relaxed now than ever, I guess.
0: Yeah. Relative to the rest of my life for sure. Yeah.
1: And I certainly feel more relaxed. Yeah. When I first started playing ultimate Frisbee, I didn't want the disc because I felt I could make a mistake. I could drop it. Mm -hmm. But when I got really good, I wanted to go in. The harder the game, the higher the competition, the more I wanted to get in. I might still make mistakes, but I still felt confident. And I've turned that corner somewhat on
0: food. Yeah, I'm hoping to get there. Hoping to get there.
1: Uh, It seems like it's inevitable at this
0: stage. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good start. It's a good start. But uh, yeah, it's been, I mean, like I have never looked forward to cooking so much as I was, like when I made the stews this last week, isn't it crazy? It yeah, yeah. it's unbelievable, unbelievable. I was just like, I, you know, I was cutting it, mm-hmm. washing, like even just preparing the vegetables. Like I, so making my stew, I put a uh, drizzle olive oil in to the instant pot, so put on sauté mode, and just started adding like garlic, onions, some peppers. You know, what I mean, like, and then adding some other vegetables in there, and just letting it all sauté and ferment and soften up before I uh, put the broth in and uh, mm-hmm. cooked it, and it just like. It was just aroma, you know. The the, there was was just something so cool with doing it with my hands and like putting it in there, knowing it was all non-packaged. It was very, very satisfying food experience for sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was for me. It's people see me. I'll be at a dinner and I'll look at someone. I'll look at some packaged stuff, and they're like, they think I'm being judgmental, or they think I'm calling him hypocritical, but I'm not. It's it's like they're missing out on something better. It's like looking at someone eating Doritos. I used to love Doritos and you could be eating fruit or nuts. Yeah. And it's, you're missing out on something better. It's like our world today. Yes, there are problems of global warming and sea level rise and there's mercury all over the place and it's in our fish and stuff like that. And, you know, I could go on about the extinctions and so forth. We're living miserable lives that could be much richer. And, oh, have you started to talk to the farmers? Have you talked to the vendors and like, ask them, is this going to be here next week or what's coming up? And
0: I just kind of rough, like brief conversations. I didn't get into food of the next week delivery or, but I just asked where they're from, um, if they were organic or not, or like how they grew some of the food and and all that. But I didn't ask them about uh, future shipments.
1: Yeah. It's because you start getting to know them. Part of the reason I like to get to know them is they give me discounts and free vegetables. And like last time I bought this, I bought, but what did I get? Some kale, collard greens, purple cabbage, green cabbage. And the guy was, he had a uh, kabocha squash that was, he was putting in the compost. To, he was putting in a box to bring back to the farm because it was bruised. Mm. Well, the bruise was like, like a tiny little bit. So I was like, are you composting? And he's like, you can have it. So I got a free kabocha squash. And it, it was like a golf ball-sized thing of, of bruise out of something that's the size of a, of a basketball like, that's a good trade. I can just cut yeah. that out. But I guess he doesn't want to sell it because someone he doesn't want someone to take it home and be like, oh, this guy gypped me or gave me bad stuff. Right. And that comes from being friends. Not friends, but, you know, there's some that I go to and some that I don't. And it's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, they're very friendly. Everyone was really welcome and friendly at the markets. And all the other customers were great. I was taking, kind of asking my way through at one of the stages. And, you know, I apologize to the guy behind me. I'm like, sorry, I'm almost done. He goes, dude, no rush, like we're at the <laughs> farmer's market. No one's in a rush here, man, <laughs> or something along those lines. That no, was cool. I I guess you could have said
1: you're new here, aren't you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's been my one of my first times for sure. But uh, yeah, it was just like a totally different experience than going to the grocery store. You know, what I mean, like or just like the regular supermarket. It's it's a lot more, a lot more personal, a lot more relaxed atmosphere. But at the same time, getting local awesome food are you are you guys practicing as a team yet or your workouts are just you just me yeah we don't go to spring training until february we'll fly out there february 9th. so we'll uh we will be out there and then there's a farmer's market out there that my wife like i said last time she's been going to at least last spring maybe the spring before that so might have to either go with her or send her on some uh food assignments (laughs) this is
1: what i can't wait to ask is i was gonna ask like what's your team gonna say when you're like guys i make this really great stew and then, but now you're going to be like, Oh, I got to go to the farmer's market right after practice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, you got to come check this out.
0: <laughs> Both. They'll probably be like, yeah, it's typical. I can see that happening. Or like <laughs> it's just a matter of time. <laughs> Cause I'm, I'm that guy on our team. Who's the, uh, they call me captain planet. <laughs> <You've> embraced <laughs> so like, it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's... Have they watched, I think you said last time that you watched uh game changers. So one of my teammates had watched it and, uh, told me all about. I actually haven't seen it yet, but I, I've watched a lot, like a lot of the Food Inc., the Cowspiracy, the uh, some of the other documentaries on Netflix and all that that talk about food. But I have not watched Game Changers. That's about like the vegan diet, right?
1: Yeah, in particular, it's about athletes and just like I mean Arnold's on it and other some other like MMA guys and and weightlifters and World's Strongest Man stuff. And I really like it because it's it has some health stuff in it and some science stuff in it, but. To me, it's it's the culture of never before have there been just. what to me, is regular people. I mean, to me, regular people includes lifting and and doing athletic things, and because it's not like tree huggers. I mean, they may be tree huggers too, but that's not what comes out in it. Right. And I think it's it's trying to make something accessible to a, a community that normally is not so accessible. I think you you're like on the forefront of something here.
0: Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna keep keep doing it for sure. It's like this is like the dead of winter, and there's still awesome produce there. You know what I mean? In Ohio, oh, so. yeah.
1: Oh, here in in February and March, at least here in New York, it's you're down to it's like beets and rutabagas and and kohlrabi. Actually, not even the kohlrabi anymore. And parsnips. It's all root vegetables. Because I didn't know this that when Europeans were moving out west in America, the time that they would die of starvation would be March and April which I was associated with spring and, and leaves coming out, but those leaves aren't edible yet. And they're they're down to the last stuff. So like February, March, that's when it's, you're, you're about to get the new stuff, but it's not there yet. And so you're really very slim pickings at that point. I mean, I guess they'd like slaughter the cows at that point, like the ones that were, that they could. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and I didn't know this before. Like you get in touch with seasonal things now. Yeah. Like you'll have something like the kohlrabi generally doesn't show up until next fall. I think that stuff you can grow any time, but they tend to keep it in the winter because that's there's no tomatoes in the winter. Mm-hmm. And in the spring, like in the summer, when people are buying tomatoes, they don't want to get beets. I mean, they will, but they really want the tomatoes and they want the red peppers and stuff like that.
0: Right. Yeah. How do you do with uh, like squash? I noticed it was hard to like cut the acorn squash a big time, and it was hard to like uh, get the edible stuff out of it, like get the cover or the the outer layer off and not get the seeds all in it. How do you, how do Um, you prepare squash
1: when you pressure cook it? I I love this. This is going to be like, like, I got my first major league baseball player on the, on, and we're talking about all this, like, (laughs) 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 there's something odd, right. About this. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so for me, the squash, like here, here's a, uh, this is a carnival squash, which these are like the sweetest. I love these. I just eat everything. When you pressure cook it, the skin becomes soft. So you I you can eat it. In fact, these are sweet enough that they taste to me, I think technically they're fruit biologically. Although generally people often treat them as vegetables like culinarily. Right. And I will like in the in the later in the year when there's no fruit left, but there's still some squashes then I'll eat squashes as fruit. I'll, like, I'll chop them up and put them on cereal. Or you could put them in, in a blender and put make them as as like instead of a banana in your, in your smoothie.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah.
1: The inside, I actually made a squash earlier today and the seeds I put on a tray and put them in the toaster oven. Some people put, I don't use olive oil. I just use, I get my fat from nuts. So I don't use olive oil. But you could put olive oil and salt on and either put them in the oven or put them in a toaster oven. And usually- I put them in like, as if I toasted it for like 10 or 20 minutes, then you eat them like sunflower seeds.
0: Mm. And like the squash that that you pressure cook it for like just 10 minutes or how do do you, what's the setting you put on there?
1: Yeah, I, well, I usually put it in as an ingredient in a stew. Oh, okay. So my stews, here's, here's the the formula for my stews. There's three main ingredients plus, well, okay. So I put in uh, a legume. So legumes can be lentils or split peas, red beans, black beans, navy beans, pinto beans, black-eyed peas, chickpeas. Okay, then a green leafy vegetable. So it could be cabbage, it could be beet greens, it could be radish greens, it could be chard, it could be broccoli.
0: Collards or no?
1: Yeah, collards. I just uh, just put them in the fridge. Yeah, uh, collards are some of my favorite. Yeah. Could be Brussels sprouts. And now as we get into January, February, it's going to be cabbage because that's like the last one that's still – you can get and then I put in a starchy vegetable so it could be squash it could be uh, sweet potatoes or potatoes carrots zucchini in the summer uh, I just put in some some Jerusalem artichokes and those three I usually put roughly equal of each and I put in enough water the water the amount of water you put in depends on what legume you put in so lentils for example need like maybe twice as much water as lentils
0: I found that out I found that out with my seconds too. I was like, "Dang, lentils are thirsty." <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: and uh, black beans—you put in. I just put in a little bit more than to cover. I soaked them overnight before, and then you, the time is based on the lentil, uh, the the legume. Also, so black beans go for nine minutes. Lentils go for four or five minutes. Split peas four or five minutes. If I did chickpeas, I'd cook them separately because they take like twenty or thirty minutes. Uh, okay. So, but uh, the basic thing that I would do. I put in like black beans, like I cover up the bottom with a certain amount and then I put in a ton of, then I chop up, like I'll chop up a head of cabbage, put that in, then chop up like a few sweet potatoes, put that in, put the top, then fill it up with the right amount of water, uh, enough to cover the black beans. Actually, I put in the water after I put in the beans, then I put the other stuff in just so I can see how much water there is. And then I put that, so black beans I put in for nine minutes on high then when that's done, I put in the last, when it's done, I open it. And the last thing I put in is nutritional yeast. So if you haven't got nutritional yeast yet, I get that at the bulk food store. And that adds this, people tell me it's an umami flavor and it's very high in protein, very high in, in fiber. And they add B12 because a lot of vegans eat a lot of it so that I get my B12 from there. Mm. And I put in like half a cup or a cup, which is most people would say is a lot, but it tastes really good. Yeah. So that formula, I mean, I can name right off the top of my head, like 25 or 30 kinds of legumes. I can name off the top of my head a good 20 kinds of um, of green leafy vegetables. I can name 20, 30 kinds of starchy vegetables. So we're talking thousands of combinations here. I've never had the same one twice. And if you did the same stew, but all you did was substitute, instead of black beans, you put in navy beans, most people wouldn't identify that it was the same thing, just one thing changed. Right. So- some people say, oh, Josh, you eat the same thing all the time. And I probably never had the same stew twice. Like today was split peas and I put in a bunch of ginger. The co-op where I was, where I go, like they had some really beautiful ginger and the ginger that doesn't look as good, they put in this box and it's like free stuff. So I was like, all right, I'll take some ginger. So I got some free ginger and carrots and collards and cabbage. So I mixed some stuff up too. And then at the end, I put in the nutritional yeast and then and then when I serve it, I put some nuts on top and I chop up onion and put it on top, raw, uncooked. Because if you cook the onion, I mean, if you fry it up like you did, that, that adds flavor. But if you just put it in a stew and boil it, it, it kind of disperses, disperses and it's all gone. Yeah. And I can make a meal for – I can make 10 meals in one one cooking. And so the first time it takes me like 20 minutes to cook it or to do all the chopping – by which time I'm usually full because I'm eating while I'm, you know, if I chop up a cabbage, I'm eating a whole bunch of cabbage raw while I'm eating it. Yeah. Then I I cook it. I'm often full by the time I start cooking, but then I eat some anyway. Yeah. Then I have like the next meal I eat is 30 seconds of preparation time. I just take it out of the, I, I don't even put it in another container. I put the pressure cooker container in the fridge. Mm. Well, actually I put it out on the windowsill to cool off because I don't want to put it in the, I don't, I'm not going to put something hot in the fridge. Right. Cause that's just going to use up too much energy unnecessarily, especially in the winter. And so when someone comes over, I'm just, I usually just go in the fridge, get out some stew. Maybe I'll microwave it for them. If it's a summer, I won't because it's better cold. And yeah, like I just had a couple bowls before I had cooked it before I went to the farmer's market, uh, but wasn't hungry then. So when I came back, I ate it. Mm. I just, put some in a bowl and ate it and, and put some nuts and onion on top. And actually I'm not going to see anyone later today. So I chopped up some garlic and put in raw garlic on too. <laughs> I mean, I don't put a lot of garlic on and I, I put on spicy sauce too, like pepper sauce.
0: Yeah. Do you have a vegetable chopper? Or you just do it all by hand?
1: All by hand. I kind of like it. Yeah. Uh, but a recent guest that I had was, do you know, Dr. Joel Furman, who wrote a book, uh, eat to live.
0: Yeah. I've heard the name.
1: So I, I invited him over for my stew to record the podcast. He invited me to his place. So I went there in New Jersey. And the way I'm talking to you, he was talking to me. Like he's been at it 10, 15 years longer than I have. Wow. And it was amazing just to see his effortlessness of just like chop, 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 chop. And he's like, here's some salad. I was like, what? That was really fast. And the dress, I thought he put dressing on, but it wasn't. It was uh, some tomatoes from his own garden. I think it was from his garden that he had, stewed, I guess. And it was really sweet and flavorful. And he was like, yeah, you won't get that from a store. And I was just blown away because I thought I've come a long way. And now I realize I'm like just out of the starting blocks in terms of, and then that reminds me of when I would stay, when I was in Europe and I would stay with the families there, what we're doing, what we're discovering, they're like, duh, (laughs) like this is how it is normal. Like we don't, we didn't have the stage of, I don't know, Froot Loops.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, they didn't break for, break out of the natural cycle of food like we did.
1: Yeah, they didn't have tang. I mean, they have it, but
0: <laughs> it's not a, not a thing, not a yeah. big thing. So, how do you get your lentils and beans without packaging?
1: I go to the bulk food store and I bring my own bag and fill it up and then weigh it at the front.
0: Okay, and how will I? How would I find one of those around here? Because I've been, I've, I've used the beans and lentils that I bought from like the church sale that's been going on, but that has packaging on it. I wanted to get somewhere without packing.
1: Yeah. In my case, there was a store near me that I just found. It was a neighborhood store and living in Greenwich village. There's these things aren't too hard to come by. Then that closed. And I had to, I had to look all over the place. And finally I found a place on fourth street, which is a bit, it's about a mile each way for me to walk there. And I get like, but the stuff I get from there, it's all doesn't need refrigeration. So I, I get like as much as I can, I, I walk home with like, I don't know, 50, 60 pounds of, of, Red beans and black beans and nuts and whatever. Because why bother? Now, right now, if I showed you my cupboard, it's like full of what I got. I got black beans, red beans, pinto beans. I have some soybeans from before. I got all kinds of nuts. Oh, I got my spices there too, because I can get them in bulk. So I got cinnamon. I got cocoa powder. I got ginger powder. And gradually, at first, I would just get one thing. And then I was like, oh, what's this other thing? I would get that too. And I was like, what's this other thing? I would get that too. So you're hearing me a few years into it. At the beginning, I didn't know what I was doing. Right. And if you go online and just search for bulk, bulk food store near you. Yeah. I
0: think that's what I'll try to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And if you ask at the farmer's market, they'll probably, they might know too.
0: Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, you just do that. Get the, get everything. Like the nutritional yeast is there too at the bulk food store.
1: Yeah, that it's not that's not going to be everywhere because it's less common. But, or at least here, actually here, I mean, there's also a bulk food section at the Whole Foods here. I don't know if it is there or Sprouts or like Wild Oats. They, they're probably going to have those things there. I just prefer the smaller local stores.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know in Arizona where we stay, there's a Sprouts right by there so that'll be clutch for that.
1: And if I were, I mean, if I were stuck in a place where it was just nowhere near, I would, as much as I'd like to avoid packaging... If I were in a small town in somewhere far from anything and there's nothing nearby, I would order it from online and I would just get the largest shipment sent to me that I could so it to minimize the packaging.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a good idea too.
1: Yeah. I mean, they actually, if you see the store, the stores get a big bulk, they get like a 50 pound bag of whatever, and they have to refill their containers. So in principle, I can get one of those 50 pound things sent to me, which I've done that before and it's fine. I mean, these things don't go bad. I was just like, let's try it. And it's like two dollars a pound for something that would normally be ten dollars a pound. Wow. And it's just you got this giant well, you're at, there's more space out there than here. Mm. I mean yeah. Manhattan is a
0: little cramped. Are, <laughs> yeah. A little more cramped than Heron Sensei. That's awesome. So
1: are you thinking of what's gonna come next? Or is it I mean, I guess you got a lot of stews to practice and we got a lot of stews
0: to try. Yeah. I honestly my stews. I'll I'll try some of your formula like the 3 different like the one legume, one green leafy, one starchy. I'll definitely do that for a couple but so far I've liked just kind of throwing stuff in there and just letting everything marinate, like sautéing it first getting them soft and then let it marinate. It's been it's been mighty good. Mm-hmm. And like I said there's been, I've had to do the packaging with the beans and the lentils so far but if I can get find a bulk store where I don't have to do that and just have it all package free, still that'd be sweet. Although I, I've been using vegetable broth, which has packaging on it, but you just yeah, eat the water. nutritional
1: yeast kind of replaces that. Okay, that's been my experience. I mean, at my mom's house, she gets this better than bullion stuff, which comes in a jar. And I like the taste of that. I don't buy it, but when I'm there, I eat it. I'm a little less stringent at other people's homes than my own.
0: Right, right. So what else is this? The uh, doctor Sharon, Joel. From- uh, Furman, sorry. What else did he show you that you were like, wow, he's way, way ahead? Oh, one thing was in the
1: middle of the conversation, we're just talking and he looks at my hands and he goes, oh, look, your hands are really yellow. I don't know. The light here is not going to work, but it's, uh, he goes, that, that shows that you're eating lots of beta carotene. And I forget exactly how he put it, but he's like, that is something you can't fake your skin turning kind of yellow on the palms of your hands. Right. I was so happy. I was like, wow. He like my nieces and nephews had picked up on that. They're like, why are your hands all yellow? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and they also noticed that they were really calloused. So I was like, he was like, what's that from? And I go from the kettlebells and from the rowing. So I felt like doubly, <laughs> <like, laughs>
0: doubly encouraged or doubly. Vindicated. Very so, yeah. Like, yeah.
1: I, you can't fake it. You can't like fake calluses. Yeah. And yeah, his whole family was into it. Like, I forget, they're, they're kids. I forget which were his kids and which were the friends of the kids and and his, I think, in-laws. So there were people coming and going and it was just like a way of life, like it is in Europe. It's just people, they would naturally just eat vegetables. That's what was around.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And effortlessly, like people come over here and they're like, oh, what's this? What's that? And like when I cooked at Lululemon uh, on Earth Day, I was at Lululemon and I cooked, I cooked my famous no packaging vegetable stew for them. Mm. And it didn't even occur to me when I got there, I took the vegetables out of my bag and put them on the countertop next to the pressure cooker, so I could start. I was just getting stuff ready, and it was before people showed up. But a few people were there, and they come up and they start taking pictures of the vegetables. And I was like, "What? What are you doing?" And I'd forgotten that most people don't start with raw vegetables, right. so they were seeing something new. And right. this is me a couple of years ago, but I, I'd kind of forgotten about that because it's just not like I just have I have all these. Like these are from the, the CSA and yeah, I just got all this stuff. It's a little out of reach here. Here's my giant purple cabbage that I got. Oh wow. Yeah. And then the green one is even bigger. And then here's some, some butternut squash. So this is like what's around the house. Yeah. It
0: never yeah, it. Had yeah, that that before. turned into that. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> it. That's cool. I've had the same people going like, what What do you got going over there in the corner? Uh-huh. Like just a bunch of raw raw veggies I'm about to put in a stew. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's cool. Do you do uh, peppers at all in stews or no?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, pe- peppers are too good to stew. They, they go on top as a topping. Okay. And I've switched almost entirely. to I used to get green peppers mostly because they're cheaper. I don't know if you know, green peppers and red peppers, they're all the same peppers. It's if you leave it on the vine longer it turns, it goes from green to yellow to orange to red. Oh, wow. So the nutrition in the red ones is greater and I find them usually sweeter and that's worth it to me over the price of the green ones. So I've like, and the red usually is, looks really good in the stews because the stews tend to get a little brown or, well, depending on what's in them. And so bright red is
0: really good. Yeah. Yeah, I've noticed, yeah, both my stews have been a little brown. I still haven't got my wife to try it.
1: Oh, um, she hasn't had the stew?
0: no I was like oh let me cook for you I'm making stew she's like I'm gonna like, try what you're missing I'm like I'm telling her I'm like this is actually really good <laughs> and then the second one I was like this is dang good you know what I mean and she was like we still wouldn't do it but one huh. day
1: all right that's why you're in the major leagues and she's not <laughs>
0: <laughs> she'll try uh my son Liam's stuff occasionally and be like that's pretty good and, like the stuff she makes the puree the good fruits and vegetables in there but she hasn't tried my stews yet, but I'll get I'll get it. I'll get her one one of these days. It's
1: kind of funny the difference between food versus plastic. Like it's important to reduce our plastic consumption and, and the waste that comes from it. Do you also pick up that difference? Like if you're trying to spread stew to someone as opposed to spreading avoiding plastic, it's kind of similar effects on the environment in that you're gonna be polluting less and mm-hmm. restoring the land more. But one of them is kind of like stopping a negative and the others accentuating a positive.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, with the strikeout waste campaign we did last year, we were trying, we made the awareness problem of the plastic, but we were trying to do the positive action of using a reusable water bottle. Mm-hmm. So we, yeah, we kind of did that. But if you're just saying eliminate plastic and then not giving like something tangible for people to do, they're going to be like, okay, I'll think about it maybe, but I don't know what, you know, they, they don't know what you're getting that type thing or what to do. And yeah. So if you can, Yeah, maybe next year we'll be make stews, (laughs) make a stew campaign, (laughs) make, make packageless vegetable stew. That'd be sweet.
1: That would be, yeah, I'm trying to think of like a team thing or a stadium thing. I don't, I mean, the concession stands at the stadium, aren't going to like that one.
0: No. I mean, I feel like it's one of, stews are one of those things, like the bigger they get, like they can still be good quality food. Mm -hmm. And then the bigger they get, they can... the profit margin will go up, but I don't know, I might be wrong, but like you have all these vegetables in bulk and you're cutting them up and chewing, like letting them stew up together. Like I think if you're feeding thousands of people with it, it's going to be really good profit margin, but that's just me.
1: Oh, want to hear about my restaurant idea? Yeah. So this, I didn't have this idea myself. It's like people come over and they'd say, Oh, you should start a restaurant. I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then someone else would say, you should start a restaurant. I was like, you think so? and each time i get a little bit farther than the time before and eventually things kind of fell together so the idea is this picture five pressure cookers and in one pressure cooker is red bean based the next is black bean based the next one is split pea based the next one is lentil based the next one is uh i don't know black eyed peas yeah and that stays the same all the time and then every week we get a del- or every day we get deliveries from some farms that are around here that we get the have an agreement with yeah, And the farms just bring us what's in season. And so in the summer, it's going to be more of the summer vegetables. In the fall, more of the fall vegetables. And so every week when you come in, it's slightly different than the week before because the vegetables are different. And we just keep the stews going. All th- There's no ovens. There's just the five pressure cookers. But it's actually a row of five, uh, five with a row of each because you can only make them so big. So yeah, So you have enough for each customer, for all the customers coming in. And so you come in. And you say, "All right, I'll take one of the the kidney bean ones," and the, you get a bowl of, of of the soup, and then you get to pick the toppings. And so, it can, for me, it's always nuts and onions, but you could put on tomatoes or green peppers or red peppers or uh, tomato uh, or avocado. People really love avocado
0: or garlic if you're feeling bold.
1: Yeah, and then you take it and you sit down at it's like picnic t- table style, so everyone is like. It's friendly and there's no garbage. There's nothing to throw away. Okay. And all the plates and stuff are reusable. If someone wants to take out, you got to bring your own container and we'll fill the container up for you and weigh it so you can take it uh. home. And then on the wall, there's a big sign. And at the top of the sign, it says monthly rent, whatever, X thousands of dollars a month, uh, monthly salaries, and then that number, monthly electrical bill and uh, margin, you know, 10% or 20%. Well, I don't know what restaurant margins are. And then and then it says at the bottom, total. And then it has
0: total monthly cost. That, there's my son, sorry. <laughs> there he Hi. is. Hi Leah. Hey Leah. <laughs> this is Josh. This is my wife Aaron. <laughs> Hi Aaron. Glad to meet you. My dog Wally. Hi Wally. Hi. Oh, he's up a little bit early that? from his nap. Oh my. Oh, it's okay, buddy. Maybe it would just be a short nap to <laughs> so, sorry, go ahead. Monthly prof- monthly.
1: Oh yeah. And so, at the, so it says total, and then it has a total monthly cost. And then beneath that, it says uh, average monthly guests. And then it divides out the number of guests by the total cost. And it says your cost, that's what it is. So there's no mystery. Everything is right out there for everyone to see. There's no secrets. And you can look in the kitchen. All we're doing is chopping and adding. And the name of the restaurant is, I'm thinking of two names. One of them is you can do this at home or you can do this yourself. And the other one is stop eating at restaurants. so i want people to get a delicious wholesome satisfying affordable meal but i also want people to realize they can do this themselves yeah you know come here if you want to save a little time but really you can do this and so it's partly a meal but it's also an education
0: right i like it i like that you can do this yourself yeah one but i don't know Uh, the other one was funny (laughs) that's cool though yeah i like the the idea a lot one
1: of the big things for me in this and people who know my gra- background know why to me accessibility is very important I want this stuff to be available to people in food deserts to people who have very little time people who don't have a whole lot of money because people keep saying oh what can they do they have to eat fast food they you know they've they don't have time for anything else right but this is faster this is I mean if you you don't have to go shopping that often if you do like I do and pick up tons of of your The legumes, which are a dollar, two dollars a pound dry. And then you keep on the shelf for a long time, get your sweet potatoes and and, I mean some of these squashes have been here for I don't know, a month or more. They'll be fine. Certainly the nuts will be fine.
0: Yeah. I yeah, same with the I've noticed the vegetables that I've gotten are still really good when I'm chopping them up several days later. So it's good. What kind of nuts do you put on top? any
1: whatever i mean looking over there i got cashews brazil nuts almonds i got pumpkin seeds sesame seeds some macadamia nuts some pistachios it's just they got everything there so it's just i get what i get
0: walnuts you do walnuts on top yeah Yeah.
1: walnuts there's some like pecans walnuts these are so good that i those are hard to put on stew because the flavors are too good so i just eat them or walnuts I put on cereal in the morning. Okay. But not on stews because I like the flavor too much.
0: Yeah. And when you say cereal, you mean like rolled oats that you put water in? Yeah. The, the, yeah.
1: Yeah, and oats I also get from the bulk food store.
0: I was going to say. Those are probably there too. Yeah.
1: I had no idea. I, it's like when Tio was like, oh, you should meet Brand Suter. He does this stuff with the water bottles. And I was like, yeah, cool. I didn't think if she had said, you could talk to him all about vegetables for like an hour. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, my wife would have told you. Yeah, he'll be game. <laughs> yeah, um, this is awesome. This is awesome. What's like been your favorite if I were to try your one of your stews, what's been your favorite combo of all time of your legume, green leafy, starchy?
1: Yeah, yeah. Whom do you like more, your wife or your son? <laughs> it's like you can't really answer that. It's Yeah. It's the stew that's in front of me. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a few combinations. This one that I did today, the the split pea, and ginger and carrots with whatever vegetables go in is with whatever red beans, go, um, green leafy vegetable go in, goes in. That's pretty good because I like the ginger. Lately, the navy beans they make it kind of creamier in a, in a way that I'm not used to. Black beans, if you have a blender, they blend into a really silky smooth. It feels like you're at a restaurant. It feels like like really good quality, like beyond what I, it's not just like someone threw some stuff together. It's so black beans. And I mean, they dominate because they're, they're, a strong flavor, but I like to put in darker things with that, like beets. And I don't know what green leaf vegetables I put in. Oh, actually with them. Yeah. Some of the kale stems, like a, a heartier or, or, um celery is really good in there. And then when you blend it, it oh, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, if you blend that and and serve it to guests, they'll they'll think you someone else made it. They'll think like right. a chef made it.
0: Yeah, that was the black bean and celery or what was that?
1: Black bean and I guess I do beets. I mean anything will work in there. Sweet potato. I'm tending, well, sweet potato is a really good Right now the kabocha squashes are around. Kabocha squashes like this um I guess they come from Japan, although all squashes come from the Americas if you go far enough back. Mm-hmm. And it's got a really creaminess to it that is really tough to describe. And, and since it's not all year round where sweet potatoes are, then it's a, it's like a more rare treat. Mm. Yeah. It's because most of the time I'm getting some vegetable that I haven't had for 10 months. So I'm always enjoying it.
0: Mm -hmm. So you're saying I could just chop up the squash, put them in a stew, pressure cook it, even with the cover, even with the outer layer on and it would be good
1: in Yeah. Yeah. And you could do, I think like I would sometimes do squashes and carrots with a little bit of water and just that. And that'll make a soup too. And then I'd I'd put ginger in that. And then I would put, that would put some red peppers on top if, if I could. But that would be like a sweet stew. I feel like that would be like kind of close to baby food. Oh, here's something that's really good. Take equal parts apples, oranges, and bananas. And pressure cook them for like one minute. And you're gonna get a something I would call it a fruit compote. I don't really know what compote means, but it's like an applesauce, except those flavors together. Oh, and the orange, including the peel. So, you know, wash the skins, and it tastes like these are the normal fruits, right? That's like apples, oranges, bananas. That's the usual stuff. Yeah. It tastes like tropical. Huh. It's it's incredible. And it's a great dessert. So I would just do that, just that by the spoonful, because you get the tart from the orange and the the creaminess from the banana. Or if you really want to go nuts, put a little rum on it or a little vodka, and it's really good. And it takes like seconds. I mean, it's just, it's this crazy thing. This was like, I guess I was with an ex-girlfriend. We did a lot of experimenting. This is, she was, my girlfriend at the time when I started getting into this, we would just... Be like, I don't know, try it. Let's see what that works. And the stuff I that didn't work, I, I don't remember. I just didn't, I would never do it again. And there's plenty of stuff that didn't work.
0: Yeah. If I have, I don't have oranges here, but I have clementines. Would that be? Same thing. Yeah. It'd be okay. Yeah. So just literally, I'm going to, I'm going to do it probably tonight. App Bananas without the peel, clementines with the peel.
1: Yeah.
0: And apples. Yeah. Take up. the core out. Or take the take seeds the out. out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I chop into quarters, then take out the seeds, and put the rest in. And it's and like one minute will do it, and just like cover the bottom with water
0: because they they're pretty watery as it is. Okay. And and cinnamon. One minute counting because like there's that time that it takes to get to the pressure point. So just like literally, just put one minute of like cooking time. Bean, yeah. c- cooking time. Okay.
1: Yeah, the warm up time will be pretty fast because you only put in like a quarter cup of water or less.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, let's try. I'm going to try.
1: Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting, that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable. Join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. So now I can't help but think you're going to come over for some stew when you're playing the Mets. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. And I can't help but think I'm going to get to see the Mets. I'll be, I'm going to have to like, do you get to invite people? Am I like way out of bounds here? Or is it like, no,
0: you can come to the game for sure.
1: Oh man, that'd be awesome. I'd be on the wrong side though. That's like tough in New York city. They're they're not so kind on that.
0: But at least you're not, but you're not like Boston. Yeah, I, I don't know where the uh this friend family seating is for Mets games, but uh yeah, I think it normally it's like somewhat close to like center behind the plate, like uh-huh. it's not too no far. Way. Yeah. Typically it's not too far down the line. Remember though Yankee Stadium was pretty far decently far down the line of the visitor side, but there were so many Yankee fans on that one it didn't even like it was just no side was one or the other. It was all pretty much Yankee side. So probably the same way at the Mets. <laughs> all
1: right, now I'm going to go for the big leagues. I, yeah. For a long time now, if you listen to my podcast, uh, the solo episodes when it's just me talking about my goals and my dreams and stuff of, of what my vision for the podcast. Mm-hmm. I one of the reasons I want to bring people like you on is because people don't have role models. There aren't many people who are like I. I think people listening to us. Would be like, oh, this is a new idea of a major league baseball player, someone who loves vegetables, and that, like, for most people, that doesn't make sense because they think it's got to be Wheaties or Bud Light or something like that, the the major sponsors. Yeah. But for someone to be into vegetables, it makes total sense, especially when it's from a farm nearby. Like farmers are pretty American, right? They're pretty everything, and uh, every culture. And, but I have specific goals of like. For a long time, I've been saying the people that I want to have on my podcast the most are like Oprah, LeBron, Serena, and Madonna, and Elon, and Sergey, and Larry, and all the first-name people. Right. And after I was talking to you last time, I was thinking, he's in Cincinnati. He's a major league sports player in Ohio. And I've been talking about LeBron for a while. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sure there's something that happens when you become a professional sports player, but I'm not sure that you get it like- you're, there's like, is there like a kind of um, brotherhood, a camaraderie?
0: Certainly. I mean, if they know who you are and you know them, there's like a, a conversation that easily strikes up. I've experienced that here lately with just MLB player, other MLB players. I went to uh, some events like the retreat my wife and I went to a couple weeks ago and then the Dominican event saw a bunch of people I've played against a bunch and they knew who I am. I knew who they are but I haven't really talked to them but I was talking to them in a matter of seconds just like I knew them for a while. So there was, there was a brotherhood definitely in the MLB. I haven't really crossed over into other sports quite yet. I know a couple guys on our team do uh, cross over uh, sports and just like really have friends with uh, in other uh, sports, but I'm not there quite yet. I worked out with some NFL guys several years ago and that was a cool brotherhood because like everyone's doing the same thing. You're You're all professional athletes trying to stay at the highest level, you know, working your, working your tail off to so get there and compete hard and all that. So there's definitely an under underlying brotherhood I'd say, but I don't know LeBron. I'll give you that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, not on my fan or not on my uh, contacts. my phone.
1: <laughs> you can imagine on my side, it's like hard not to think of like, this has got to work somehow.
0: Yeah. I mean, certainly there are a lot of baseball guys who know him and, friends with him i'd say but uh like i would say like some of the cleveland indians superstars like, like francisco lindor has to be friends with him and all that uh because lebron would wear his jersey to the games and stuff like that oh, that'll do um, it, yeah. but um i i don't know uh any brewers guys or anything that do uh
1: well you can kind of imagine what i'm thinking it's like i wonder if you connect with others that would be interested in being on the podcast
0: oh yeah yeah they' I'm trying to think there's a guy, uh, another one of my teammates who uh, is getting pretty into the environmental stuff and the food stuff. And uh, I, I'll, I'll ask him if he wants to be on, but yeah, it'd be, would be cool.
1: Yeah. I would love to have them on and I'd love to, I, I want this to be mainstream. I, I, yeah, not that I want it. I think that it, it's weird that it's not mainstream. I want it to, I hope to bring a world where people are like, of course, if they're an athlete, they'd be the first people to eat
0: this. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> like gosh. a big, like, fresh vegetables yeah you think the Native Americans weren't studs you know what I mean like <laughs> stud athletes you kidding me they were eating all natural like exercising like crazy every day with the hunting and fishing and they were just I mean peak physicality look at like i I've never seen reports of like indigenous people's breakdown of their physicality it's just like professional athletes and would dream of those kind of break like their body fat percentage and their resting heart rates and all that stuff were just amazing so uh yeah, it's, there's nature. Nature is often, is really always the way to go with food and all that. So.
1: Yeah. So I want to make that, I want to help that become mainstream. And uh, I'm coming out from an environmental standpoint, but I'm also coming from it like a, a delicious standpoint. Yeah. And an affordable chance standpoint and accessible. Mm-hmm. Now that you mentioned seeing other players, you said players that you played against. Yep. I've been meaning to ask this too, away from nutrition. When you're pitching against someone, I mean, are the, if you played against them, most likely they batted against you. Right. I mean, I guess, oh, it's a weird thing where pitchers don't actually face each other. That's kind of interesting, kind of like quarterbacks.
0: Uh, in the National League, we actually, we do. For starters, like, there were a couple of guys who I started pitching, like, started games against, and I faced them multiple times, many multiple times. But, uh, yeah, other, otherwise, you don't face them a whole lot.
1: Is it a reliever. big is there a big mental game in pitching against someone? Like, it's not just you're trying to throw the best pitch you can. You also got to... F-
0: it's it's big-time mental, like, strategy on, first of all, what pitch can I... Do I feel confident in executing and that will succeed in this situation? But also, there's a, an element of what is this guy's weakness and how does that line up with my strengths, for sure. And then you go pitch the pitch. Like, okay, it looked like he was sitting soft there because he got... Jammed really hard by like say an outside fastball or something like that. So I think he's sitting soft. So if we go uh, up and in now or something like that, it'll have a good better chance of success and all that. So yeah, it's, it's a big mental game. It's like what Yogi Bear said: it's ninety percent mental. The other half is physical. <laughs> <laughs> and the
1: your catcher also has to know this because he's the one who's suggesting to you. Oh
0: yeah, oh yeah. So you,
1: you guys, you must practice together. But how do you get that communication? That uh, self not self-awareness, but like other awareness, teamwork.
0: Um, Sometimes it's mountain visits. Sometimes it's uh, a lot of times it's talking in between innings on uh, what he saw at certain pitches and what I was thinking and why. And, uh, but a lot of it's too before and after games, uh, either before games, the preparation in the film room, uh, watching hitters and maybe my film against hitters and, and talking about that or just talking in the the clubhouse or reflecting after games. So it's, there's a lot of, a uh, lot of conversations going on like that. There's
1: levels of depth that are just beyond what most people would, would get. Just like a guy's not just standing out there throwing the ball
0: fast. Right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it seems to be getting deeper and deeper too with the amount of information that's available because they've been tracking every pitch of every game and like putting it into database since the stat cast came about in like 2015, you know, like velocities and spin rates on every pitch and exit velos. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's tons of info out there and just, you got to work with your coaches and the analytics guys to break down what can help you the most and then go get after it on the field, basically.
1: And the batters, I guess the batters are only facing a couple pitchers per game, whereas if you're, you're facing a lot more batters, so they're going to know more about you in general. They're going to have more stats on you.
0: Yeah. I mean, especially starters, uh, they'll have the whole day. They'll have kind of your film and the clubhouse going on and like your stats or your tendencies will be up on the game board when they're hitting in the batting cages and all that stuff. So yeah, that's uh starting for sure. Relieving they they've definitely done some homework on each of the relievers too, but we do homework on those guys too. So it's just it's a really interesting battle every day. Every day. And I'm
1: sure you do you get this this question a lot. It's there's a lot of jobs that like in entrepreneurship, they say you know, you can expect to fail. But for you, it's like a quarter to a third of the time, you're going to get, someone's going to get on base. Roughly speaking, you know, someone who's batting 300 is going to get on base. And so you know that you're going to get hit on a fair amount of time. Mm -hmm. How does it feel when someone hits, gets a hit that you didn't, like you thought you you faked him out or. Yeah.
0: Is it just Uh, part of the game or is it? Yeah. I mean, it can be frustrating, especially if you feel like you executed the pitch. The result was a weak contact. And then it just drops in for a hit or something. That can be if you let it get to you, it can it can get you down a downward spiral. but you have to remember that you got some hard contact probably that game or, you know, definitely within the year that was should have been a hit but was an out instead. So the game tends to even out over time and just kinda you gotta this is you gotta remind yourself this is the game we play. It's while we play the game no one would come to the stands if no one got on base. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's, it's, you just gotta roll with it and then uh, focus on the next pitch. And how about when you talk to
1: you saying you learn and grow with the sport. So what happens when you talk to a veteran who's been at it five or 10 years longer than you? Is there wisdom that they speak with?
0: Definitely, definitely. Just the clarity with which they see the game and see patterns of their opponents, especially opponents that they've seen a bunch of times, you know, like I had a veteran call me over and say, what do you what do you think this guy should go with here? And I, I said kind of this typical answer that you would on the scouting report. And he goes, no, nah, see, I think he should go on the other way here because uh, this guy's sitting, I know it, and he's sitting soft away, but he should go sinkers in. And sure enough, sinkers in got the guy jammed like crazy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's cool to talk to those guys, uh, both on the field and off the field, how to deal with anything from pressures, to, you know, stress on the family because of being away and how they react to certain media reports or whatever, how to just to keep everything in in line in their life. It's it's really cool to have. I've had awesome mentors in my career so far and hoping to be one one day. Do you have coaches that are separate who are non-players? Yes. One coach, many coaches. Uh, we have for me manager. And then the two pitching coaches are kind of the guys I talk to the most. And, one pitching coach, the other being the bullpen coach. And we've had, I've had two of each uh, since my time in the big leagues, two bullpen coaches and two pitching coaches, and they've all been wonderful, really helpful, awesome mentors as well. Our pitching coach now is actually, he was a coach of mine in the minors for several years. So it's cool to see him get that job and had the familiarity with him. And he's been awesome. So um, yeah, it's, those are our other mentors who really help because they've been there almost every one of them played in the big leagues too. So they, they know exactly what you're going through or what it takes personally, but also they'll help you with the strategy of everything. So
1: do you mind that I keep asking these questions? Cause I, I'm, no, I think it's really fascinating. <laughs> do you guys scrimmage in, in games like against, do you have enough players to play against each other in a game?
0: Um, sometimes they'll do during the season. Sometimes they'll do like inner squads or, uh, just like, BP with uh, like a live BP, they call it, where a pitcher just goes against uh, hitters on the team. Maybe the hitter is coming back from injury or just needs some work and they'll throw them out there before BP or something like that. But we rarely like actually enter squad during the season. Normally it's some kind of like live BP game or some kind of so shadow game playing, like that. so
1: Yeah, because you're playing every day almost.
0: Right. Yeah, a lot of games.
1: And when you pitch against your teammates – is there still the same psychological stuff going on or are you a little more casual?
0: Um, it tends to be at the beginning of spring training, most of the time when we're, we're facing the own guys. So it, it tends to be like you're a little more amped up. So it's about the same as playing. Maybe if it was like in the middle of the season or something, it would be a little more casual, but it just seems to be like you're still going at it because it's the excitement of the season. You're ready to go, ready to show all the hard work you've been doing. So it tends to be about game intensity or you you want to perform well get get the spring off to a good start i'd say
1: okay okay so when a batter hits it this is sound like it's such a neophyte question so the batter hits it i don't know right over your head falls down in front of the center fielder there's a batter on some base like nine guys have to figure out how to work as a unit do you guys all know what to do always it does people ever do something that you didn't expect on the
0: defensive side of the ball,
1: yeah. Like maybe there could be a play at second, or there could be a play at first, and one and the second baseman goes one way should, should have gone the other, or something like that.
0: Uh, that hey, happens occasionally, uh, but pretty much at the big league level, you're prepared for just about every situation. Like all the all the position players, as we like to call them, like the non pitchers, know exactly where to be on like every direction of the ball, every everywhere. There are some circumstances where some guys who are really defensively gifted will make a play that you're like oh I wouldn't recommend that to maybe a, a youth clinic a, a baseball players but that was an incredible play and it saved us a run type thing so yeah that that happens all the time in the big leagues like some of our infielders are just incredible like that making really gutsy plays but making it look easy and making it pretty much every time and then our outfielders particularly Lorenzo Cain who's just one who's a gold glove but he should have had probably five gold gloves at this point and makes just amazing plays after amazing play. So yeah, there's uh there's rare time where the guy's out of position, but it doesn't happen too often.
1: Okay. And you you don't have to practice that because you because everyone's been playing
0: since uh we go over some unique situations in spring training, but a lot of that has been kind of fundamental the fundamentals have been taught us and taught it to us in the minor leagues and growing up. But we just we review stuff in spring training.
1: And is it the same? How much has the game evolved? Like if you watch games from 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, are the fundamentals still the same or have some of them changed?
0: I want to say most of the fundamentals are the same. The battle between pitchers and batters is always seems to be changing. Like five, 10 years ago, it was really not recommended to throw four seams up in the zone, like high in the strike zone. And now that's like a lot of people, including mine, that's a lot of people's one of their weapons, type thing, just because people are batters found like did that launch angle revolution or whatever to get the low ball in the air better, like low strike being able to elevate it. So going above that has been a, a big calling card. But then that might switch now where hitters make the adjustment, keep their hands in, and so hitters have, to, I mean batters will have, or pitchers will have to go back down zone or something. But it's just. It's interesting to see the the change in the trends or the change in the strategy going on because at the end of the day you got to go with what's working. You know, what I mean, it's if it's throwing up what's going to get people out, you got to get people out. So, uh, but it's it is fascinating how the the game kind of the trends are seem to be game wide a lot of times.
1: Does playing it at the professional level in this sport illuminate the professional level in other sports? Like, do you watch? football differently now that you're in the big leagues or how differently now
0: yeah a little bit just because i know that it's not as easy as it like the tv kind of makes it look like it's if you see a guy stressing out on tv you know it's like really stressing out inside because you know i'll I'll be up there i'll feel like somewhat calm but I, i know like the intensity of the moment the enormity of the moment uh every time you take the ball or make a play in the big league so it's like you know what those guys are going through a little bit better, like the pressures and the, the physical exertion and all that. So it, ha- it has definitely deepened my appreciation for all sports, the work guys put in to not only perform out there, but to stay healthy, to keep keep going at it time and time again. So it's yeah, it's been kind of illuminating that way. I, I hear that
1: chess players burn as many calories. As, I don't know. They burn like a lot of calories. They're just sitting there, but their brains, I guess, are really going. Oh, wow. And if that's the case, then it must be mentally grueling when you're playing.
0: Uh, yeah, it can be, I mean, sorry, I got to get my charger real quick. Uh, yeah, it can be very, very challenging mentally. I mean, like after games, particularly after starts, I'll just kind of like zone out at my locker for a couple minutes, <laughs> just, just to kind of recover, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's uh crazy physical, and mental, uh, output that's going on but it's it's so it's such a good feeling like i think it was teddy roosevelt who said there's not a better feeling than flying on the battlefield get having given everything you got totally victorious you know i mean there's that's, that's vince Lombardi, Lombardi. Yeah. yeah vince Lombardi. sorry <laughs>
1: <laughs> i not like he's from wisconsin or anything like that <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> right but uh yeah it's just like i you know exactly the longer you do it the more that quote makes sense you know oh i'm gonna I'm going to translate that quote or apply it to the environment.
1: And so a lot of people wonder, well, are we able to fix it? Are we going to be able to make it so that things are are okay again? The thing is that, as everyone knows, stuff is already happening. You know, there are islands that are now in the Pacific that are underwater that will be for the next 10,000, maybe 100,000 years. And even if we were to stop all emissions of carbon dioxide now, and if we were to stop making plastic now, The worst is still yet to come because it's, you know, the stuff is still accumulating. The question is not, can we fix it? We're gone. We we have failed. Right. But the leadership perspective is, okay, But we're not dead. What can we do? And what we do know is that everything that I do, anything that anyone does has an effect. Yeah. It's not like, oh, maybe I'll do something that uh, will pollute, but we'll fix it eventually and it'll all get fixed. When we fix everything else, my thing will get fixed too. I think a lot of people feel like that, but that's not the case. If I emit a little more now, say some pollution, that's going into someone's lungs. That's going to hurt someone. That's going to make someone feel bad. It's going, to make, it's going to cause suffering. Right. So the question is not, can we fix it? No, we can't. But there's levels of how bad it can get. And everything that everyone does contributes to that. So the question is, what's the most that I can do? And what's the fastest that I can do it? And how many other people can I affect? Mm -hmm. If things really happen, say there's wars over resources or there's famines, the way people feel about stuff. And I've been saying this about athletes. So you tell me if I'm I'm off on this one, but I think that people, how you feel is a measure mostly of what you put into it. If you lose the game, but you put everything you had into it, I think that's probably better than if, well, it's certainly better if you lose the game and you left it, you didn't practice Some enough. Right. I can't imagine what would happen if I didn't practice enough and then I lost a game and people depended on me. I'd feel terrible. Right. But if you put everything you have into it, then the worst things can happen. The most undesirable outcomes can happen. But how you feel is I did my absolute best, as Vince Lombardi described. So given that we can't fix everything, it's already happening. And given that everyone, everything that everyone does affects everyone else the best I can do is to give everything I've got. Now, of course I have to balance things. I, have, I can't like, I have to eat. I can't just like, you know, I'm not going to like, you have to balance, there's always balance. So I, I can't just commit everything I've got to no matter what, like i got family and stuff like that. But even given that there's like, I know when, I've, when I'm have when i given what I can. And the crazy thing that people don't get is like what we were talking about all that, the first half of this conversation of, well, oh, it's really delicious. And it's beautiful. Like these these the color, I just have this purple cabbage here and it's just this beautiful color. And that, I feel like, that's certainly my goal. I know that most people hear that quote and they think that sounds great, but they don't really want to leave it all in the field. They don't really want to be on the ground, whether victorious or not victorious, they don't want to be that exhausted. But at least some people I think really do. And even if you don't want to, re- and I think for those that this is what's available to us is the chance to give everything we've got I got your back, you got my back. We're in this together. It's greater than anyone, any one of us. It's greater than all of us, but it benefits all of us. But even people who don't want to go all out like that, there's still stewardship of others, especially when the others are helpless to do anything about what you're doing. Like if I fly an airplane, the whole world is going to be breathing in those fumes and the whole world is going to experience the global warming that results from the, car- the carbon and greenhouse gas emissions. They're helpless to stop me. I can do that. But I feel like when we take others, the effect we have on others into account, especially when they're helpless, I feel like that feeling is one of the great feelings that humans can have.
0: Yeah. I think about that all the time when I look at my son and I'm seeing the, you know, the problems that are going on in the world and just knowing, hey, buddy, like say twenty years some of his favorite foods start going extinct, you know, like topsoil starts running out, like food becomes scarce, like you're talking about. I wanna be able to say, Hey, I I tried, you know what I mean? I gave everything I had to try to stem this tide that I saw growing and I want to be able to make that word true. So yeah, I want to do everything I can to make this world a good place for him and all the other, like you said, helpless young, younger generation or the elderly, you know, everybody, all people, plants and animals to make it a better place.
1: Yeah. I think it's some politicians say this is, this is actually an opportunity in disguise. And I feel like it rings hollow when they themselves are not actually trying. Okay. But for those who actually are trying and even more than trying are like giving it all, giving it our all. Yeah. I think it really is an opportunity. Yes, there are some outcomes that we can't stop that we're not going to like. But for us to really band together and create something greater, greater than, we, I mean, this is a potential for us to work together in a way that all of us together never have before. I think there really is potential here. Even amid starvation things like that, yeah, well, this got pretty heady
0: <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you got to,
1: yeah, I propose uh do you want to go for a third time and talk about how the stews evolve after New year's?
0: yeah, I in,
1: okay, so why don't we why don't we wrap up now and then schedule next time offline yeah, uh, anything I'd like to ask at the end, is there anything that I didn't bring up to, that's worth bringing up or uh, anything you want to say to listeners
0: just to echo what we were talking about let's give it our all to be able to look at people and say we, we gave it our best to try to keep this world intact habitable inhabitable so yeah uh, just not let the words ring hollow but to do something well Brett Suter thank you very much yeah thank you
1: I hope you enjoyed our conversation even half as much as I did. If you've heard me ramble about my famous no packaging vegetable stews, but felt, who's Josh, why should I do his crazy stuff and didn't get around to it? I hope Brent's joy showed through if I didn't talk over him too much. Enjoy farmer's markets, enjoy vegetables, enjoy banding together as a national and eventually global team. There may be trouble coming, environmentally speaking, but nothing's stopping us from doing our best. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating, others should act first or making excuses, to the empowering, I can make a difference. And living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.